You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Just overwhelmingly grateful to be your pastor and uh, such an honoring spirit, and so thank you. I also wanna give one more shout out. Uh, the 10 o'clock service last week, we had a, a special, uh, all baptisms are special. There's a story of a guy named Craig Duncan came to last year's Super Bowl uh, as a first time visitor and uh, God is working in his family. You may have seen his videos. Uh, we showed a little bit of his story. He owns a gym and he trains boxers and MMA fighters. And, uh, and so it's just been cool seeing how God's been using him and to, to really just for him to, to pour into the athletes in his gym. And then one guy that he's been pouring into is a guy named Val. And last week, Craig got to baptize Val at the 10 o'clock service, and uh, this is Val, this is Craig. Really, really cool. And, and it was just, a, it, was, it was a really, really cool moment, and, and he said, you know, he's an MMA fighter, and I don't really know what that means, but what I found out is he's actually a really, really good MMA fighter, and I didn't find out because I challenged him. Uh, I found out... Uh, I found out because uh, last night, the two of them were in Anaheim where uh, UFC 298, Val was one of the fighters in UFC last night. And, uh, and so I just was able to talk to him ahead of, ahead of the fight. And I just said, hey, listen, whatever happens in the octagon, it doesn't define you. And I just wanna tell you, whatever happens in your career, whatever happens in your life, whatever happens in your uh, circumstance, it does not define you win or lose. And so uh, just wanted to say, uh, they're still in Anaheim, just wanted to say, uh, Val and Craig, uh, your goal was to glorify God. And, and God is doing that. God is using you in incredible ways. And so you don't go to Anaheim, we send you in the name of Jesus. We're behind you, praying with you and, and proud of you. So grateful for you. Really cool. So we are kicking off this series called Peaks and Valleys. And really, I read a book last year, the beginning of last year, that I was just very impressed with. And the title is, If the Tomb is Empty, Anything's Possible. And that, that title caught my eye because our tagline is, uh, everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything's possible. And, and Pastor Joby Martin is a pastor in Jacksonville, wrote a book, absolutely incredible book. Um, I highly recommend you read it really, really good. But what I liked was the outline, the framework of the book. And what he did is he took seven mountains and kind of unpacked and walked to the cross, walked to the gospel. And so that's what we're going to do. So we're going to start on one mountain today and we're going to end on Mount Calvary seven weeks from today, which is Easter Sunday. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at a different mountain every single week. And um, I got a lot to say. And so I'm just going to go as fast as I can. And if you have a question, just keep your hand down, okay? <laughs> so peaks and valleys in life, we're, we're always gonna have times we're on top of, of a mountain. We, that's where we are, but we don't stay there. As, as you know, there's times that we'll navigate through valleys and we'll hike through hills. And, and that's just the whole idea. And I don't know if you grew up going to camp. I grew up going to camp. 
uh, mostly Christian camps, went to a lot of different camps. And then I was a youth pastor for many, many years. And, and I saw this pattern and I heard a language at camp and it's referred to as the camp high. And it's not that kind of high that you're thinking of. It's a different camp high. And really what camp high meant is like when you get away with your buddies for seven days and you're just 24 seven around each other. And then the Holy Spirit, God is stirring, God is moving. Like by the end of the week, you're thinking, man, life cannot get any better. You are on a mountaintop experience. And then every single person after camp would hit a wall because they didn't realize they were on a mountain and that God didn't create us to live on a mountain. He created us to have mountaintop experiences. But sooner or later, we come down and we have valleys and we have hills. You see, I was never created to live at camp. Camp was there to encourage my faith journey to be able to survive the valley and the hills that were gonna come after camp. And that's where this series and kind of the heart is behind everything today. If you have a Bible, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 22. If you have one of our Bibles, it's page 17. This is what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And already I'm like, I don't, I already know. I don't like this story. The word test in there. I'm like, I don't even like it. Okay. But I'll keep reading. And I don't know how you were in school. I didn't really care for tests. I didn't like them. I didn't like projects. I didn't like homework and I didn't like classwork. Other than that, I loved school. Other than that, <laughs> school was my favorite. So here we see that God is testing Abram, Abraham. And God does that. And throughout scripture, we see this. And so if God's testing people in the Bible, you better believe you and I are being tested. At some point, multiple times in our life, possibly often, we are being tested. But here's the first three words. It says, sometime later, which means this is talking about something happened before Genesis 22. And what I wanna do as quick as I can, I wanna recap 10 chapters of what that sometime later is referring to. So we're gonna go back to chapter 12 of Genesis and it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, you're like, okay, hang on. Are we talking about Abram or Abraham? Same person and I'll get into that later. He said this, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a huge promise. God says, Abraham, he just got chosen. We don't know why. He says, Abraham, I pick you, I choose you, and I'm going to bless you like you've never been. You can't even imagine how much I'm gonna bless you. But it's gonna require you to leave everything you know. Everything you know. I don't know if you caught that first part. You need to leave everything you know, and I'm gonna take you to a place that you don't know. I wonder if we trust God enough to leave some things that we know in order to go to the things that we don't know that he has for us. And if Abraham didn't trust him, he never would have received the, the promise. So he's traveling and they're kind of in this journey and then they get to Egypt and this is where things get a little weird. I'm gonna be honest. Okay, things get a little weird and, and I'm just telling you scripture, I'm unpacking the story, but Abram has this revelation and in and, and, and his traveling party, it's his wife, Sarai, Abram, and then a handful of people. And, and Abram has this revelation. He's like, man, my wife is smoking hot. Like this is what he says, like she is gorgeous. She is beautiful. And when we go into Egypt, if Pharaoh sees her, He's gonna kill me as her husband so that he could have her for himself. 
So he comes up with a plan. He says, hey, Sarah, Sarah, come here. I have a plan. Hang with me, okay? Let's not tell them that we're married. Let's tell them that we're brother and sister. That way they still take you and sleep with you, but they don't kill me. Huh? What do you think? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, like that's a great idea. Let's do that. Like that's what's happening. And so sure enough, Pharaoh comes and takes Sarai and and, and goes to sleep with her. The Pharaoh ends up learning the truth, gets furious, doesn't kill him, gets furious and sends him off. But here's here's the thing that we need to understand. God gave them a promise already. The promise was, I'm gonna gonna multiply your people. You're gonna be so blessed by descendants. And here's the thing, let's not complicate this. It's very, there's only two things that need to happen outside of the miraculous hand of God. Okay, Abram and Sarah have to be alive. The second thing is they have to have sex. That's it. Okay, so here God has already made a promise and if they both have to be alive and they both have to have sex and she's not pregnant yet, he starts thinking they're gonna kill me. Well, his insecurity directly goes against the promise of God. I wonder if your insecurities are going directly against what God's already promised for you. Abram's insecurities are leading him against the promises of God. And this is a dangerous place to be. Listen, I'm not saying you can't and shouldn't have insecurities. We all have insecurities some way, shape or form, or at least I think a lot of us do. But it's a dangerous place when your insecurities have you. You can have an insecurity, but we don't make decisions based on our insecurities. We don't wake up and follow our insecurities. We acknowledge that they're there, but we follow God. We follow his word. We follow his promise. And the moment we stop following the word of God and follow our insecurities, you are going down a dangerous path. Pharaoh gets frustrated, sends him on the way. That's just Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 15 comes in, still no sign of pregnancy. And at this point, Abram's getting frustrated. And then God does this in Genesis 15, verse five and six. He, meaning God, took him, Abram, outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and credited it to him as righteousness. And so he's in this moment where he's like, man, I, I heard the word of God. I, I believed it. I, I left everything, but then I'm doubting. And, and in his doubting, God comes back and says, look up. Don't forget, like, like I'm gonna bless you so much. So now Abram's got this, his Godfidence back. Now he's got his spiritual swagger. But then Genesis 16 comes, verse one and two. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Let's pause there. No, you see how we casually blame God? The God that's promising me something, now she is blaming him. The Lord has kept me from having children. And then she comes up with an idea. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So Genesis 12, uh, Abram's like, hey, uh, why don't you go sleep around and, and do that? That's like Jerry Springer, well, you know, 1.0. And then Jerry Springer 2.0 comes in and she's like, hey, now it's your turn. Why don't you go sleep with my servant? And if God's not gonna come, if God's not gonna fulfill my promise, I'm gonna fulfill the promises of God. And listen, when you step in and think you could do God's job, you're in a dangerous place. 
Your job is not to do his job. Your job and my job is to wait on his perfect timing and obey him every step of the way. But she lacked patience. And when you lack patience and you start sleeping around and doing all this, it is only gonna breed dysfunction every single time. It's not that it's just what's best for God, it's obeying him is what's best for us. And they start doubting over and over. They went from doubting one time to now they have a pattern of doubting. And I, I don't know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, if Abram and Sarai were on our church staff, I'd fire them. <laughs> Do you understand that? Like these people are so dysfunctional. Like I would fire them. And y'all all would be like, yeah, of course you should. But here's what I love about God. God doesn't look at our past and define us. God didn't look at their past and say, hey, because of your past, I can't use you. And God doesn't look at your past. He doesn't look at your resume and go, hey, look at your resume. I can't use you. Your past does not define you. Your past does not determine your potential. God does. And he's not done yet. Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old. Uh, can I get a shout out from all the 99 year olds in the room? Any? <laughs> all right. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless, which I just kind of, in my own head, I think it's funny. Like, God, if you, if you were to say this as a teenager, when I was a teenager, I'd be like, I don't know if I could do that. But at 99, I might be able to walk blameless. Like, I don't know what else I'm doing at 99. He said, then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase in your numbers. So God's speaking and he says, hey, it's about time. Hey, hey, you need to get ready. It's, I'm about to fulfill the promise I had. And, and now Abram's confidence is back. Now he's getting excited, but the problem is God wasn't done speaking. He was in the middle of a paragraph. And at this point, God renames them. He goes from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And God continues the conversation. He said, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, what we need to understand is there's been no history in the world of circumcision. This is completely new. And this is completely something that God brings up. And I, I was sharing this with my wife and my wife was like, didn't you just talk about circumcision. I'm like, listen, I'm not going out of my way to talk about circumcision. I'm just reading scripture, okay? But it's important for us to understand what's happening here. God says, hey, I have this promise, but it requires you and all the males and everybody after you to be circumcised. Abraham hasn't even heard that. So he's probably asking a lot of questions. Okay, God, not a problem. What exactly is that? Oh, okay, 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 okay. And then I'm just picturing how this plays out, okay? He gets done talking to God and then, and then he gathers all the guys. There's a lot of guys. Hey guys, gather around. He's gotta get up on a rock because there's so many people. So he's kind of on top of a rock. Hey guys, gather around. Just the guys, ladies, y'all go, go do something. Guys, guys, come here. I got a classic good news, bad news situation, okay? <laughs> classic good news, bad news. Good news is God's gonna bless us more than we could ever imagine. The place goes nuts and they're like, man, if that's good news, it doesn't matter what the bad news is. And Abram's like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> bad news is, and he, and he tells them, you know, we're all gonna have to get circumcised. And then I'm just picturing just like an awkward silence. <laughs> like, I'm just like, just like, and then I'm just, I'm just picturing, this is all in my head, not, this is commentary, not scripture. I'm, 
And I'm thinking like there's a hand in the back. <laughs> yeah, Frank, Frank, what you got? Like we hear you, Abraham, like we love you, we trust you. How confident are you that you heard him correctly? <laughs> like, just give us a percent. That's all, we'll do whatever. Like how confident are we like, is this 50-50? Like where are we at here? And Abraham's like, I asked him a thousand times. It's pretty clear, this is what he wants. And I was trying to sit on this in scripture. I was trying to meditate on this. I was like, what was going through Abraham's mind? Like, I wanna like put yourself in, in his shoes. What was going through his mind? He didn't have the Bible. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the book of Romans. But I think the spirit of the New Testament, I think the spirit of Romans was in him. And I don't know, but I have a feeling this is what he was thinking. I, was think, I think he was thinking about Romans 8, 18, which says, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I think he was thinking about Romans 8, 28, when he says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Listen, I don't want us to miss this. This is the first time God has said something like this. And he has to go lead people. And God is telling you to take a step of faith. All of us, God is telling us, he's whispering, he's calling us to do something. But I could almost guarantee you, it's not gonna require as much faith as for you to get on social media, make an announcement, hey, I need all my male friends to listen what you need to do. And it sounds like a joke, but seriously think about the level of faith and trust that was displayed in this whole process. It's unbelievable to me. And that's the faith that God's trying to point us to. And then after this, God says, hey, Sarah, Abraham, a year from now, you're gonna be pregnant with a boy. They've been waiting for this promise for decades. You know what they did? They laughed at God. It's like, man, I'm like 100 years old and she's like, well, you know, I'm not allowed to say, but you know how old she is. She's really old. And they laughed so much so they laughed at God that Isaac was named after, after that, laughing at God. Are you expecting God to fulfill his promise or are you laughing at him as he's trying to fulfill his promise? You see, God's trying to do a work in you and our laughter comes across as disbelief. Don't laugh at the things you're praying for, expect them. Then Genesis 21, Isaac is born and the miracle is coming to fruition. 25 years, the miracle comes to fruition. And all of that is leading us to Genesis 22. That's the backstory. Sometime later, that's the sometime later that we're coming out of. And this is what it says in, in Genesis 22, verse two. Take your son, this is God speaking, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So here's our first mountain, Mount Moriah. I want you to think about what might be running through Abraham's head. Like, what are you talking about? So at this point, Isaac would have been a teenager. Some say possibly 16 to 18. We'll just say uh, 15 years old. Waited 25 years, now he's 15. That's 40 years. Lake County, online, a pop guy. I want, I want you to humor me for a minute, okay? If you could, 
I want to do an exercise. If you are 40 years old or younger, if you're around 40, if you identify as 40, whatever you want to be, <laughs> would you just go ahead and stand up right now? Lake County, a pop, go ahead and stand up. It's okay. It's okay. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Everyone. If you are 40-ish or young, you can be 49 for all I care. You don't, you can be whatever it is in that range. Stand up, stay standing for a minute. Stay standing. We have latecomers. They're like, the, the wife is like, you are 40. I didn't know. Okay. No, no, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Stay standing. Listen, listen, listen. I just want to, I want you to picture something. Listen, because this is, I, we read something in minutes. Stay standing, hang tight. We read something in minutes and we don't understand. Imagine the entire lifespan, your entire life. You've been praying and expecting one thing from God. You've been working on one thing from God. Imagine your entire life, one thing. And then God gives it to you and you know what he does? He says, give it back. Go ahead and have a seat. Hey, give a big round of applause. Look at it, y'all are awesome. Well done. This is, this is 40 years in the works. And as soon as he gets it, now, now he, Isaac's a teenager, which means he could start to have his own kids. So the moment he could start having his own offspring, the moment that this can come to fruition, God says, this is great, it's happening. Now give it back. Now, now give it up. I, I know I told you this, I know I fulfilled this, but what I need you to do is I need you to trust me and I need to give it back. I need you to give it back to me. I, I know I told you about your career. I know you've worked so hard to get to this point, but I need you to trust me and give me your career right now. I, I know you've been trusting me uh, for decades with the relationship. I know you've been trying to do it right, but I think you're holding it too tight. I need you to give me your relationship. Just trust me with it. You see, it wasn't Abraham's dream. God put in Abraham's heart, the promises of God. This isn't your dream that you're talking about. God put his dream in you. Whatever the dream is, whatever you think the calling, whatever the promise is, it's something that God put in you. And he's saying, I put it in you. I have a plan for it, but I need you to give it back to me. That's what's happening here. 40 years of faith. And I want you to listen. I love Abraham's response. Abraham made a lot of poor decisions as he was going through this journey. But the one thing he did is he kept growing in his faith. Genesis 22, three, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. Listen, I don't know about you, but when God tells me to do something I don't wanna do, I don't wake up early the next morning that often. <laughs> I find ways to justify, I'll even pray it out. Like I'm just gonna, hey, I'll get on the road in a minute, but I'm gonna have like a nice three hour quiet time with you, Lord. And then you know what he's doing is he's practicing radical obedience. That's what he's doing. You see, delayed obedience is actually disobedience. And he said early the next morning, he got up and he took off. Let's keep going, verse four. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Let me unpack, there's so much going on right here. You see, this hike took them three days. It was 55 miles. So they, they are on a hike. It takes them uh, three days, 55 miles. And on the third day, 
God is telling Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, your one and only son whom you love. You see all the foreshadowing that's going on. What's cool in seven weeks is we're gonna talk about Mount Calvary and we're gonna look at that. And what we come to find out in seven weeks is that Mount Calvary is the same mountain as Mount Moriah. That the same mountain that our Lord and Savior was crucified on is the same mountain that Abraham is looking to potentially kill his son. You see, what God is doing is he is foreshadowing what is about to come for the whole world, for all humanity. And I love that. This is what, uh, part of the thing I love too here is it says we will worship and then we will come back. He didn't say, hey, we're gonna worship and I'm gonna come back. He tells the servants, hey, we're gonna worship and we are going to come back. And I don't think Abraham understood what he was saying. I just think he was saying, I don't know how we're gonna come back. I don't know what this is gonna look like. I just know God has given me a promise. I've grown in my faith and I'm gonna count on him. We're gonna go worship and we are coming back. Hebrews 11, 19 says this, uh, and, and, and I, I think this is what Abraham was thinking. He says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And that's what our God loves to do. He loves to bring dead things to life. He loves to bring dead marriages to life. He loves to bring dead dreams to life. He loves to bring dead relationships to life. God is a God that brings dead things to life. As they hiked up the mountain, Isaac asked his dad. Isaac's like, kind of taking inventory. He's like, hey, the fire and the wood are here, pops, but uh, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? His dad, probably with tears in his eyes, said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Let me ask you this question. What do you do when you can't see what God sees? What do you do when you can't see what God sees. I believe that faith is trusting that his will is greater than your sight. Faith, faith is trusting that his will is greater than your sight. They reached the destination. And then it says that Isaac is bound on the altar. Well, this is a teenager. Okay. And, and, and Abraham is, is over a hundred years old now. There is no way that Abraham could outrun his son or outfight his son. Now, there, there are some teenagers here, teenage, teenagers. Okay, I need y'all to listen up. This is so important. This is gonna save you some teeth. Listen, okay? <laughs> you start thinking, you get arrogant at 13, 14, thinking you could take your dad. But listen, we have something you don't even know about. It's called old man strength. We have it. You don't. We will destroy you, okay? <laughs> That, that last, yeah, you can clap for that, yes. That lasts for several decades, but men, men, what? I'm not as confident once we're 100, we still have old man strength, okay? That's where it does tend to go downhill. And what happens is we have this situation where all of a sudden Isaac is bound, but the dad couldn't have bound him, so what happened? Here's what I think happened. I think Isaac was watching the faithfulness of his dad his entire life, and he doesn't do what his dad is telling him to do. Dads, listen, men, listen. Our kids do not do what we tell them to do. And some of you are like, yeah, we know, we get it. That, thank you. Our kids don't do what we tell them to do. Our kids do what we do. And I think Isaac is following the faithfulness of his dad. 
And I think he voluntarily gave himself up like Jesus didn't get captured, voluntarily gave himself up and put himself on the altar. And then he grabbed his knife, Abraham, and he prepared to sacrifice his son. And then in Genesis 22, 11 and 12, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you, that you fear God because you've not withheld me from me, your son, your only son. And at this, Abraham sees a ram stuck in bushes. And he said, I'm gonna go get that. There's my sacrifice. He said, I got a sacrifice that God knew all along that I didn't see. I walked right up that same trail, but somehow it's there. And then he ended up renaming the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Listen, listen to what happened. God, God began to unveil his promise after there was radical obedience. And I wonder if we keep waiting for God to fulfill what he's telling you, but you don't think, and I don't think sometimes that we have to do our part. And I wonder if the delayed promise of God is because of the delayed obedience from us. And I think God might be waiting for our obedience because he has a blessing on the other side of that obedience. But there is an order that he is calling us to. I love what Pastor Joby Martin said in his book. He said, his timid faith became tested faith, which turned into triumphant faith. Isn't that good? Here's four quick takeaways from Abraham. God chose Abraham. Second, God gave Abraham a promise. Third, the choice to obey was Abraham's. Fourth, Abraham's obedience led to his blessings. Let's personalize this real quick for the take home. God chooses you. Did you know that God chose you? God picked you, like God created you. Like you are the leader exactly that God created. Your creativity, God created that for you. The, all the time in the world that you have, God has given you that. All the money, God has given you that. Your personality, your gifts, your wiring, everything, God chooses you for a reason. And he put you in that zip code. He put you at that job. He put, that, he put you in that family for a reason. He chooses you and then places you. I, why did he choose Abram? I don't know. Why did he choose you? I don't know, but you're chosen. I know that. The second thing is God gives you a promise. So we all have foundational promises, promises from God that are universal for all of us. But then on top of that, we have more specific callings and promises that are unique and different for all of us. And it's your job through prayer and seeking God to figure out, okay, God, what are you calling me to do? I love what Pastor Joby Martin said in his book. He said when he launched his church, when he planted his church in Jacksonville, what it, one of the things he said is there was a pastor in the area and he gave him some advice. He said, don't do what God was telling you to do. And Joby thought about it. He's like, I don't know, man. That sounds like horrible advice. He's like, what are you talking about? Don't do what God was telling me. He goes, don't do what God was telling you to do. Do what God is telling you to do. You see, so many times you and I are still trying to do something that God told us to do 10 years ago. Well, that doesn't require faith. We've already done that a hundred times and we think that's faithfulness. That's not faith, that's a proven track record. Instead, what we need to do is what is God calling us to do today, right here, right now? He said, do what God is calling you to do today. Let, let me give you a hint. When you step out and do something that God is calling you to do, a lot of times it's not something that you and I would require big. It, it might be, hey, why don't you go over to your neighbors and just see if there's anything you pray for? Hey, why don't you pay for that person's meal at the restaurant? Sometimes it's not big, but in God's economy, nothing is small. I wonder if him asking you to go to your neighbor's house 
has nothing to do with your neighbor's house. It has everything to do with the test for you for something else to come. He tests people. Third thing is this, the choice to obey is yours. God's calling us, you could choose to obey or not. I don't know about you, but I think, I think a lot of us, including myself, we're so good at spotting wisdom and foolishness on other people, but not so much on ourselves. Like I'm really good at telling other people how to live and I can't even see the, the foolish decisions I make. And that's why we have groups here is so that we can get surrounded by people that can speak life and encouragement and love. That's why we have support groups. That's why we have life groups. We have rooted groups. We wanna help surround you with people that can help you make wise decisions. Can you imagine if Abraham was completely surrounded by people leading him away from the voice of God? Even when you don't understand the mind of God, you can trust the heart of God. I think about Abraham's story, how many times he must not have understood kind of what God was directing, but he understood the heart of God. And then the fourth thing is this, your obedience can lead to your blessings. Your obedience can lead to your blessing. Now I'm not talking about a blessing like in a rap video or in a beer commercial where it's, it's cars and, and lots of cash and big homes and girls or guys or whatever. That, that might be how the world talks about blessing. That's not God's view of blessing. Now I do wanna clarify, there is something called the prosperity gospel. And this is where some churches and some Christians believe that if I do some things right, then I automatically get blessed. I'm gonna have good health. I'm gonna make a lot of money. And that is just not in scripture. There's nothing in scripture that says, if you do this, you automatically get the worldly blessing. And if we think that, then when life gives us a test or a challenge, we think it's because of some sin instead of God actually stretching us. And what it is, is when we talk about this idea that there's a blessing on the other side of obedience, you know what that blessing is? Intimacy with God. There's no greater blessing than a deeper intimacy with God. Let me read to you Hebrews 12, seven and eight. It says this, endure hardship. And this goes to that idea of prosperity, gospel, prosperity, preaching. Endure hardship as discipline. Okay, God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So what he's saying is like, listen, you're my kids. I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to discipline you. They're going to be hard days. There might be some challenging days, some sorrow that is under the umbrella of me disciplining you. And as I do that, that means you are my legitimate children. You are legit. And if you don't have that, you're not legit, which reminds me, too legit to quit. <laughs> I'm just trying to get MC Hammer in a sermon. That's all I'm trying to do. I was going to wear my parachute pants, but I couldn't find them. Listen, God disciplines us and he tests us. That's just how he does it. We don't obey God to receive a blessing. We obey God because he is the blessing. We get blessed and on the other side of obedience, we realize that God is the blessing. Now here's the thing. Sometimes God's blessing does come in the form of better health. Sometimes he, he allows your car not to break down when it should. Sometimes he does take care of finances or promotion. That happens, God blesses like that. But it's, it's up to him. It's not because I obeyed today, I automatically get a promotion. That's just not how it works. You never know what's on the other side of obedience. What is God calling you to lay down? 
What is God calling you to sacrifice? What is your Isaac? What is it that God has blessed you with, but instead of it being a blessing, you've done this with your fingers and you begin to grip it so hard that you will no longer allow God to get between you and what he's blessed you with. Is it your money? God, thanks for the money, but I'm not letting go of this. Is it control? God, thanks for all the blessings. Now I gotta control everything. Is it your career? God, thank you for the talents and gifts you've given me, but I'm clinging to them more than I'm clinging to you. What is it that God is calling you to lay down? And here's the deal. He's not calling you to lay it down so that he could stomp it out. He's calling you to lay it down so he can bless it. He's testing you. He's testing you because he wants to bless you. Here's my prayer for you as we close. May your timid faith become tested faith, which will turn into triumphant faith. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you allow spiritual knuckleheads like Abraham, myself, and so many of us in this room to have what looks like a horrible resume of following you, yet you still believe in us, yet you still give us opportunity, yet you still give us grace and mercy and kindness and patience. And God, we don't know what to do with that much grace other than to say, thank you. You are so good. God, I pray, would you, would you enlarge our faith? Would you give us the faith that Abraham had in his later years that he radically trusted you? He got up early the next morning to follow your ways, even when it meant sacrifice on his own. God, would you help us to understand that any form of sacrifice for you and your glory is something that we fully embrace. And God, I pray for that person that right now they know, they know exactly what they need to do, but they are struggling with the courage. Would you fill that person with the boldness and the courage to do whatever it is you're calling them to do, to radically trust and obey you? Would you enlarge our faith in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.